Numbers 36. In this chapter, we have the determination of yet another question regarding the daughters of Zelophehad. Their father had no male heirs, and there's a question concerning their marriages and what would happen with the inheritance of their father's tribe. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, Numbers 36, starting at verse 1. And the chief fathers of the families of the children of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of the sons of Joseph, came near and spake before Moses and before the princes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel. And they said, The Lord commanded my Lord to give the land for an inheritance by lot to the children of Israel. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of Zelophehad, our brother, unto his daughters. And if they be married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the children of Israel, then shall their inheritance be taken from the inheritance of our fathers and shall be put to the inheritance of the tribe whereunto they are received. So shall it be taken from the lot of our inheritance. And when the jubilee of the children of Israel shall be, then shall their inheritance be put unto the inheritance of the tribe whereunto they are received. So shall their inheritance be taken away from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. And Moses commanded the children of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying, The tribe of the sons of Joseph hath said well. This is the thing which the Lord doth command concerning the daughters of Zelophehad, saying, Let them marry to whom they think best. Only to the family of the tribe of their father shall they marry. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe. For every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. And every daughter that possesseth an inheritance in any tribe of the children of Israel shall be wife unto one of the family of the tribe of her father, that the children of Israel may enjoy every man the inheritance of his fathers. Neither, neither shall the inheritance remove from one tribe to another tribe, but every one of the tribes of the children of Israel shall keep himself to his own inheritance. Even as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad. For Mahla and Tirzah and Hagla and Milcah and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad were married unto their father's brother's sons. And they were married into the families of the sons of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And their inheritance remained in the tribe of the family of their father. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses unto the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. And thus far the reading of God's holy word from Numbers chapter 36. Here we have a very interesting passage in many ways. Verses 1 through 4, we have the suggested inconvenience by the rulers over this tribe. They say in verse 2 that the Lord Moses, lowercase l, my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of Zelophehad, our brother, unto his daughters. You can read this in Numbers 27, verses 1 through 7. The inheritance normally passing to the sons. Zelophehad had no sons to inherit, 
and therefore his daughters would inherit his property. They complain in verse 3 that their inheritance be taken from the inheritance of our fathers and shall be put to the inheritance of the tribe whereunto they are received. Notice here, there are a couple of principles that they're operating on that the Bible recognizes as valid through prophetic utterance. One is, we need to preserve an inheritance. That's one thing. That's a basic fact. The law of self-preservation requires that we preserve an inheritance from generation to generation. A second thing that is taken for granted here is the patriarchal structure of the family, contrary to the communists who say they want to smash the patriarchy, the order of nature is, in fact, a patriarchy. They would be received into another tribe if they were to marry men from another tribe. The structure of the family, the structure of inheritance, the ownership of property is all based off of the men, the patriarchal rule. Now, this is very important, especially to mention in our day that other orders that upset this natural order lead to chaos. They lead to the decrease of mankind. They lead to a loss of inheritance. And you can directly trace that in American civilization. The sooner we abandoned patriarchy, the sooner we came to things like abortion, to all kinds of lawlessness and divorce, until people cannot tell whether they are male or female any longer. If you don't like the fruit, you shouldn't like the root. And the root is this rot of egalitarianism. Now, our Confession of Faith, chapter 24 of Marriage and Divorce, says the following. It says in paragraph 2 that marriage was ordained for the mutual help of husband and wife. Then listen. For the increase of mankind with a legitimate issue and of the church with an holy seed and for preventing of uncleanness. Notice there, our confession distinguishes the legitimate increase of mankind from the increase of the church. In other words, those aren't talking about the same thing. Mankind must be preserved. That is the natural order. And there must be lawful issue. Those that are not born of adultery or fornication, in other words, which are called bastards in the Bible, but those who are legitimate. And why is that? What does a legitimate issue have to do with marriage? Well, it has everything to do with marriage because it has to do with the succession of ownership of goods, with the government of the family, with the passing on of an inheritance. And without that, there would be no preservation of these things. So then I exhort us all, we must seek for legitimate issue for the preservation and propagation of mankind but also not just in the physical being of man, but also in his religious and cultural institutions. Property, language, culture, customs, knowledge, skills. God intends these things to be laid up by fathers for their children so that mankind can grow in his skills, in his knowledge, in his property as time goes on. We must see the broad sweep and the importance of the family. If there's no marriage, there is no legitimacy. Just a bunch of bastards that belong to the state. What do you think they want? Why do you think communists encourage people to be sexually promiscuous? Because they think all children belong to whom? To the state. So the family is seen as competition to communists. They want to squash it. And so we must build it. We must see that it 
advance, so lest our society fall to whoredoms and we all perish, as we see before our very eyes. Another exhortation specifically to young ladies. When you marry, you will be received into another family. This is why in our Western civilization, we have the custom of the woman takes whose name when she's married. She takes her husband's name. Now, if she wants to retain her father's name, that's a conflict according to scripture. Hillary Rodham Clinton says, I'm under the headship of my dad and of my husband, Rodham being her dad and Clinton being her husband. That's lawless. That's wicked. You take the name of your husband. You are received into the tribe, as it says here. And this is recognized in Psalm 45, verse 10. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Listen to what the Lord says. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. That's the nature of a woman's marriage. She forgets her father's authority, her old house, and she has a new house, a new life, a new head. And this is recognized within this passage. Verses 5 through 9, we have the prevention of the evils mentioned by a divine appointment of marriage within their own tribe and family. Verse 5, Moses commanded the children of Israel according to the word of the Lord. Now that's a very interesting phrase. It doesn't say that he inquired of God. Did you notice that? It doesn't say that the word of the Lord came to him. It says that he commanded them according to the word of the Lord. He made a conclusion based off of what God had previously revealed. What was the purpose of the law previously given? Why was it that the daughters were supposed to inherit, lest the name of their father be blotted out, right? Well, if the name and inheritance of the father was given to them to preserve their father's name, what would happen if that inheritance went to another tribe? Would that be in accordance with God's original institution? It would not. It would countermand, it would overturn God's law. And so they make a conclusion. Actually, Moses makes a logical conclusion from the previously revealed truth that they must not marry outside of their own tribes. If the one thing was prohibited, then the other must also be prohibited. If the one thing was required, pass it on to them, lest the inheritance perish. Therefore, this other thing is also required by the same law. So there was no need to inquire of the Lord. There was need to make application and conclusion from what he had said. Verse 6, notice, Moses says, Let them marry to whom they think best. Only to the family of the tribe of their father shall they marry. Now this phrase, they think best, is very interesting. It means whatever is good in their own eyes. And you'll notice in the Bible that phrase is used usually in the negative when it talks about worship. You did what was best in your own eyes or in moral issues. Can you steal or not? Well, if it's good in your own eyes, you'll do it. Without regard to God looking at it and saying that's a crime, you will say, well, what pleases me? But notice in indifferent matters, things neither good nor bad in themselves, we may act as we think best, as is good in our own eyes. That's what he says. When we have personal preferences and delights, we are free to do them so long as they do not run aground of sin. But notice, God gave a restriction. Yes, you have your personal preference, but only, 
he said to them in particular, within their own tribe. So there was a restriction and there was human delight. And these, I would argue, are two facets of what we call Christian ethics. God wants us to love him and do his commandments. And he also wants us to do what is good in our own eyes, in those indifferent matters. Augustine put it this way, love God and do what thou wilt. Now the devil says, do what thou wilt without regard to God's commandments. But Augustine rightly says, you must love God and do his commandments and you may do what you will in these other areas that are indifferent. So let us then love God Let us keep his commandments, but let us also use the liberty God has afforded to us to do what is good in our own eyes in indifferent matters. Let us not be as the wicked who say, I will do whatever I want, regardless of what God says. No, the daughters of Zelophehad could marry whom they saw fit, but only in the restrictions that God gave them. And what does God say to us? You can marry whoever you will, only in the Lord. That's our tribe. Those who profess the true religion, who are united together in a common faith, those we may marry to, but other than that, you can marry whomever you want, male to a female, female to a male. That's fine, but only within the restrictions that God gives. Love is not love, as the perverts say. There are divine restrictions and laws that say what true love really is. But in the context of what God has defined love to be, you may marry whom you will, the apostle says. Notice verse 7. He says, Every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Now, this is not a a general prohibition of all mankind, as if only Israelites of this tribe could marry Israelites of that tribe. We find throughout the Old Testament no, no condemnation of these sorts of marriages. But this is for those who would inherit as females so that the inheritance would not go out. Every time a male would marry, it would go down to his male offspring. It would stay within the family. This is merely for the female case of inheritance. Then notice verses 10 through 12, they actually did, the daughters uh, here of Zelophehad, they did according to what God had said. They were respectful of God's law. They were obedient. Verse 10, even as the Lord commanded Moses... So did the daughters of Zelophehad. Now, when the Bible mentions that someone does something that God said, that's a commendation. That's God holding them forth to us and saying, you ought to imitate these people because they took heed to what God said and they did it. They didn't just hear it and it bounced off their ears. They didn't say, well, like, I totally like this guy from like this other tribe. So I'm not going to do what the Lord says like an empty-headed woman. No. These were godly women. These are examples for young ladies. And so I say, young ladies, let the faith and obedience of these young women be an example to you. It says that they were young women, that they were virgins. They were still in their father's house. They might have been in their teenage years. They may have been very early in their teenage years. Did they use that as an excuse? Well... You know, maybe once I grow up and I've sowed my wild oats, then I'll obey God. Is that what they said? No. They took responsibility at an early age, before they had contracted marriage, 
And they were cautious to ensure that when they got married, God blessed it. So young ladies and all of us, we must not use our circumstances of our lives as some kind of excuse that we may not obey because I'm in this condition or I'm in that condition. For them, it was youth. No, they were cautious to obey God's rules, his commandments and his statutes to see themselves as responsible to God to do his will, to delight in his goodness, though it might seem that it stifled them in their choices, yet they did not see that God's service is what? Perfect freedom. The freedom of the devil is the worst of bondage and the slavery to God is perfect freedom. And so they were slaves to the Lord. And thus far the explanation and the close of the book of Numbers chapter 36.